This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. First of all, pray, Father, great God of glory, great God of our salvation, we thank you, Lord, for revealing truth to us. Feed us with your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Psalm 85. If you turn to that, please, Psalm 85. And we'll just, uh, I'll just read this psalm. It's not that long. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but that have not turned again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. Now, here's a psalm. Here's a psalm that starts out with a statement that God has been favorable to his people. In other words, God is happy. What this is saying here is that God is happy with his people. And that raises a question which the psalm is going to answer. And the question is, how? How could God be happy with his people? How could God be happy with his people that have done so much against him and have been his enemies? And this is the very question that the psalm is now going to answer. And we look at the psalm, we can see clearly 
all the work that God did in order to make him happy with his people. As a matter of fact, this psalm is all about what God did and very little about what man did. It's almost like God starts off the psalm with his desire, his goal, his purpose, what he wants. He wants to be happy with his people, but how could he do it? And this is where the psalm explains. God wants to be happy with us, but how could God be happy with us? The psalm goes on to explain. Now in verse one, we see how God brought back the captivity of Jacob. He brought them out of prison. That's us. We were prisoners of sin. We couldn't free ourselves from our desires to sin. But in Christ, we God liberated us, liberated us from ourselves, our greatest enemy. Now, the first thing that God had to do with our sin, all that we ever did, all that we ever thought, all that we ever said, is described in two words in verse two. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people, thou hast covered their sins. The first word is forgiveness. Now, this is not a usual term for forgiveness in the Bible. This is the word nasah, which means to carry a load or bear. This means that God took our sins. He lifted them and bore them on himself, which is what is described by the Lord Jesus did in Isaiah 53, 6. Isaiah 53, 6, which says that all, every one of us, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. God the Father took our sins and laid them on the Lord Jesus Christ so that he bore them. He took our sins. In other words, Jesus, Nasa, lifted, carried. That's the first word in this verse two verse here. Literally, in Isaiah 53, 6, the word paga is different from Nassau when it says the Lord laid on him. And that word means he caused to fall on him. To fall on him reminds me of what happened to Clint. Clint, this last weekend. Don, maybe you were with Clint when this happened. But he and two others were carrying a heavy 24-foot beam on a construction site. And somehow, the other two guys let go of their load, and Clint was there holding the beam all by himself. You might want to show a little compassion to Clint. He has a sore neck over this. Because he was bearing all the weight himself. That's the idea of what happened here in Isaiah 53, 6. The Lord laid on him, alone, just him, the Lord Jesus, all the weight of our sins. They fell on him. They fell on him. Now, saw they... Paga, they fell on him. Nasa, they were laid on him. So this is the continuing theme of Isaiah 53. How the Lord Jesus bore, Nasa, he bore our sins, as it says also in Isaiah 53, 11. Isaiah 53, 11, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. The next verse in Isaiah 53, 12, Isaiah 53, 12, it continues on with this same thought. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He not saw our sins, just as is stated in 1 Peter 2, 24, 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self, 
his own self alone, no one else, his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So this is the first word in verse two when it says that God has forgiven our sins that means that he bore our sins. He took the, lifted them off his board. And now, but God did not just forgive our sins. He didn't just forgive our sins by carrying them, by bearing them, by lifting them. That wasn't enough. No, that wasn't enough for God in dealing with our sins. God further, at the end of verse two, says, thou hast covered all their sin. It reminds us of when Cain killed Abel. When Cain killed Abel, God said that he heard a voice he heard a voice from the ground, it says in Genesis 4.10. Genesis 4.10, he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. This was a voice that was crying. It was loud. It was in God's ears. And God heard the voice of Abel's blood. It was crying out from the ground. It was saying, vengeance, vengeance, justice, justice. Crying out for vengeance, crying out for justice. Our sins cry out to God. They cry out to God, judgment is needed for this sin. And in dealing with our sins, the picture is that God took a great cover, a great cover, and he put it over our sins. He stopped the voice of sins by putting the cover. What's that cover? That's the blood of the Lord Jesus. That's the covering, the covering that stops the voice of sins. This is all the work that God has done. This is not our work. This is what God has done. That's why we read Thou hast, thou hast, verse one, thou hast been favorable. Verse one, thou hast brought back. Verse two, thou hast forgiven. Verse two, thou hast covered. Verse three, thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Verse three, thou hast turned thyself. All this work was done by God to make us pleasing to God by dealing with our sins. It's all the work of God. We did nothing. We did nothing, as it says in Ephesians 2.8. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, Ephesians 2.8 and 9. Now these truths are, are so good that David says he wants to hear more. He wants to hear more and more and more. So in verse 8, he says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people. God wants to hear more. I'm sorry, David wants to hear more of how God makes the people pleasing to him. David wants to hear more of how God deals with sins. So David says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. When David says that, David is just like the prophet Habakkuk, just like the prophet Habakkuk who says in Habakkuk 2.1, Habakkuk 2.1, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I'm reproved. Habakkuk says that in order for him to hear what God wants to say to him, he says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. He sees himself as a watchman on the walls, he sees himself as a watchman in the tower, and he says, my watch, just like someone who stands watch in the Navy. How many have ever stood watch in any of the services? Don, I know you have. <laughs> right, and Scott? Okay, then you know. 
So when Habakkuk went to hear what the Lord was going to say, he said, I'm going to stand watch. Just like when we read our Bibles, we want to hear what God's going to say to us. We should see ourselves like Habakkuk, standing watch. We don't know where something's going to come from, but we are ready and alert and we're looking. Standing watch is serious. Big problems can happen if a person fails in standing watch. The same is true for us. A watchman should see the enemy coming before it's too late, as early as possible, in order to prepare. In our Bible reading time, God wants to warn us, God wants to prepare us before danger comes to us. And if we fail to be alert, then we'll miss the warning, we won't have the preparation, too late by the time the danger comes. Now, how can a watchman fail? How can he fail in his job? Habakkuk 2.1, I will stand upon my watch. Habakkuk says that he wouldn't sit on his watch. Habakkuk says he would stand on his watch. That's why it's called standing watch in the service. Not sitting watch, but standing watch. Standing implies being alert, being on the ball, sensitive to what's going to come. Looking carefully for the approach of the enemy. That describes one way we can fail as we read our Bibles, by being tired, not alert, not like standing watch. Another way a watchman can fail is if he's distracted, if he's distracted. For example, if the watchman, instead of looking out, is surfing the web or watching videos on his phone, he's distracted. And that can happen to us when we fail to watch and hear God because we get caught up in some distractions or some entertainments. This was Demas. This was Demas in 2 Timothy 4.10. 2 Timothy 4.10. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. This was the great command that the Lord Jesus Christ, really warning when he said, Lot's wife, Lot's wife, she loved her city of Sodom. She turned back to see it. She was turned into a pillar of salt. And the Lord Jesus said in Luke 17.32, Remember Lot's wife. Never forget Lot's wife. Always keep Lot's wife in mind. A big cause of failing to watch and hear what God wants to say is to us is the love of the world. The love of the world. That was Lot's wife. Love of Sodom. That's why it says in 1 John 2.15, 1 John 2.15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Another distraction from spiritually standing watch is the pursuit of money. The pursuit of money. That can cause a neglect of watch and a failure to hear what God wants to say. And that's why we are warned. That's why the Lord warned in Mark 4.19, Mark 4.19, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Another distraction that can keep us from being a diligent watchman and cause us not to hear is a preoccupation with what other people think of us. A preoccupation with our reputation. A preoccupation for, are we popular? Are we accepted by the world? That's why the command comes in, in Romans 12.2, Romans 12.2, Don't care about that. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good 
and acceptable and perfect will of God. Another distraction is comes very popular. We live in a day of health consciousness, health consciousness, where not hard to become obsessed with how young we look and and can the Botox help? And are we keeping in shape? Are we doing a lot of exercises? How fit we are? I dropped out of that a long time ago. But I had dinner recently a few months ago with a person who only talked the whole meal. All he talked about was the number of carbs in each one of these things on the menu and on his plate and on my plate and everybody's plate. Really took my appetite away. He said, oh, I lost 55 pounds by being on the low-carb diet. All he thought about was carbs. Being occupied with the body is a preoccupation that can cause a person to fail from being diligent watchmen and hearing what God wants to say. John 12, 25, John 12, 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. What does that mean? That means in comparison to loving the Lord, in comparison to being a watchman, hating everything that would stand in the way, nothing between my soul and the Savior. Another distraction that can cause a person to be fail as a watchman is to be so worried about the problems, about his own problems, and that will cause him not to be a diligent watchman. The same is true for a person who's so consumed with worry and anxiety and trouble and conflicts with other people that he fails to watch and hear what God wants to say. Paul spoke of this, the conflicts and the fears, when Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, 5, 2 Corinthians 7, 5, without were fightings, conflicts, and within were fears. All of these can distract a watchman from being diligent to hear what God wants to speak. And sometimes we have to work the hardest just to still ourselves. It's hard work to stand still, sit still. But that's what God wants. He says in Isaiah, your strength is to sit still. Moses told the people of Israel, stand still. From all the troubles you see the Egyptians coming, stand still. This is hard work to sit still, to still ourselves from hearing all the voices, these voices, just been going over from hearing all these voices of distraction. Sometimes we have to still our own distracting voice and stop speaking. We have to stop speaking. Sometimes we have to say to ourselves, enough. I have spoken enough. I have spoken too much. Now I'm going to be quiet so I can hear what God wants to say to me. And sometimes we have to repeat the words of Samuel, the little boy Samuel, in 1 Samuel 3.10, 1 Samuel 3.10, the Lord came and stood and called us at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, speak, for thy servant heareth. He had to sit still, he had to stand still to hear the voice of God. And David heard God speak. And what he heard was in the verse 8, Psalm 85.8, Psalm 85.8. He will speak peace unto his people. What God speaks is peace. When God saves a person, his message to that person is peace. The Lord Jesus said in John 14, 27, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The word of God to believers brings peace. He said, 
John 16, 33. Why did he say these things he was going to tell you? He was going to tell his disciples, why have I just told you what I told you? I'll tell you. In John 16, 33, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. If we don't have peace after spending time in the Bible, then the problem is a distraction because the purpose of the Bible is, John 16, 33, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. By contrast, the wicked, they can't find peace. They're nowhere to be found for the wicked in Isaiah 57, 20. Isaiah 57, 20. But the wicked are like the troubled sea. When it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. No peace, God says. No peace to the wicked. But to you who listen to my words, these things have I spoken unto me that you might have peace. In me you might have peace. Now, God then explains what brings peace to us in uh, verse 9, Psalm 85, 9. Surely his salvation is nigh. The more we dwell on God's salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did, redeeming us on the cross, the more we have peace. The more we dwell on God's salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, when he redeemed us on the cross, the more we see how much God is for us. The more we see how God is for us, the less we see who can be against us. As it says in Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now verse 9 goes on to say, his salvation is nigh unto them that fear him. It's for the person that fears God. It's a person who fears God's judgment of sins. It's a person who fears God's hell that he sends people into. That's the person God says. Salvation is very near that person, very near. When Israel starts to cry out to God, God says what he's going to do in Isaiah 46.13. Isaiah 46.13. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry. I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. But if a person is proud, doesn't care about God, then God said, my salvation is far from that person. In Psalm 119, 155, Psalm 119, 155, salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. Now, after saying all this, especially in verse 9, surely a salvation is nigh to them that fear him, there's a further explanation for how salvation could be near the Jewish people in Israel when it says in verse 9, that glory may dwell in our land. Salvation is a person. The name of that person is Yeshua, salvation. His name is salvation. And Jesus means salvation. So this is what he says, Jesus says in John 17, 3. John 17, 3. This is life eternal. This is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Which means that when the Lord Jesus is near, salvation is near. And when it says in verse 9 that salvation is near in Israel, because glory dwells in the land, then we look at how the Lord Jesus was described in Luke 2.32. He was described as a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.